I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. We're commenting on the shirt. Look, I made a, I made an assertion. It was the Greek language because you have this. We're living in a metaverse universe. Is that what they're? Yeah, it's a, it's a ma- it's a created universe. Where to you live create in. your own world. Yeah. But the word repentance, Greek word metanoia, is you your world is changed. Mm-hmm. Based on Jesus, right? It's the word for repentance, which Repent is really Repent for the kingdom is near. So now, your world has changed because of your encounter with Jesus, and you're now a part of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now, it's pretty powerful. Kingdom is it's here through the Holy oh, it's Spirit. Here. It's so if here. you, so if I you, hope they sell. If you want one of those, it's, thousands of them. It's, I, and look, it's three sixteen tees dot com. And look, I get zero. So I'm not like trying to. No, say, we're not. This hey, is the Lord. These guys are just putting out kingdom messages on T-shirts. We like them, yeah. and so, so they listen to the podcast that. and they come up. You know, some of the things we come up with, they like, which yeah. I think is pretty cool. Well, somebody asked me that because I wore that. So, what's your cut on that? I said zero. <laughs> but I, I, I think when you have a bumper sticker moment compared to the world, because we're talking about today the difference in the world standards and God's standards. And so here is a classic yeah, case. I noticed you want to be a part of the metaverse or you you want to be a part of the metanoia? <laughs> Changed people because God doesn't change. Right. And everything he represents is good, but it's real. This is real world. They also did a, I could be wrong with their text on that one too, which that is That was save it, but I like what they did there. Uh-huh. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. And I think we should say that. A lot to be the leader. As much as we talk, mm-hmm. we could be. We have the Holy Spirit, but people make mistakes, so we could be wrong. But we we also acknowledge that because we know that God is supplying the power, and we rely on Him, which is Paul's whole point in this. We we've discovered something together that we said before we got started that Second Corinthians, especially six through thirteen. Let's face it; I would say underrated. Yeah. Yeah, you got to do a deep dive to really appreciate it. We all spend time in the first five chapters. I use those in multiple speeches, talks, practical applications, encounters with everyday people, especially at Corinthians 5. I think it's one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. We're therefore, we're new creations. Christ ambassador. Christ ambassador. Ministers of reconciliation. Yeah. As God, we're making his appeal through us. And then he has that. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I believe that's what it says. Which is individually one of the greatest verses in the entire Bible. I mean, I've quoted it so many times. Great. And then we just quit reading it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we're, we're done. We're done. But there's some nuggets here. And look, 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5 is, or 1 through 6. He starts off saying, the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold went away because they're giving him a hard time. We talked about that last time. Uh, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of the world, which is why we jumped ahead last time, because their life was not in line with Jesus being Lord. 
Correct. So they had forgot Jesus or they felt he was not enough. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. It's not a physical thing. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power, divine power, to demolish strongholds, demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience, not in a physical way, in a spiritual confrontation way. Yeah, both books are summed up in Second Corinthians 6, 14 and following, uh, these people had a problem. Mm -hmm. And here it was. Here it is. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. You're like, well, what would you mean by that? What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Which is earth shattering. What fellowship can light have with darkness as far as who you run with and who you hang around? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, the devil? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there? How many times can things can you get to on this thing? This is a summation of both letters. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. That's the... That's the thrust of the whole thing. Which he then calls, because if you know you're a, a member promise. of the temple, which is the kingdom of God, with Jesus being the king, you won't run with yeah yeah. You know you you won't get tangled up in worldly constructs but the at all. The governments are the, pretty good. The they come and Phil, go. Phil, as they were in the church, it wasn't like they were running with them. Some. They had brought that in the yeah. church. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to get people who are running with Jesus to run with them. Yeah. Where are we going? Yep. Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere bad. And That's if you I'm look saying. at the last 2,000 years, that, that, that little summation there about who you run with, you say, it becomes pretty clear. It's uh, I look pretty good to your point last night. You were talking about the, the the feed to get together, but if you look carefully, you say, you know, that yeah, this this was a family structure, kin folks, and close associates, but you know knew who you were running with. Yeah, there was no mischief with all of that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, it was really interesting, Dad, the people that spoke that were not in our physical family but are our, part of our forever family, they all spoke to primarily Willie because it was his party, yep. but about the spiritual guidance they had gotten. In other words... The, it's a good way to remind people yeah, who they are. Exactly. So it was evident, as Jay says, you're either influencing or being influenced, so which is it? Because... You can tell by the people that are around you. They're either gonna you're gonna be a part of what they're doing, that may not be good, or they're gonna try to become a part of what you're doing, which is kingdom living. Which yeah, is that a movie they're coming well, out with in a few few months. Be a few months of. But I met the actors who were playing me, Miss Kate. How met, surreal was that to meet actors who are? And one of them was a Brit, right? Oh yeah, they were Brit. And I said, "Where are you from? You're gonna play. Who are you gonna play?" He said, "You." I said, "Hmm." And he was from. From yeah, London, London. It's Great Britain. I yeah. said, "Where are you from?" He said, "London." Well, I didn't so, know you were ever there. 
I was there yet uh, two days. No, I'm talking about in Britain. No, I never <laughs> oh. been to Britain. Oh, I thought there just was an some actor. aspect of your life. <laughs> oh, just, no, just an actor, no, dude. They just brought in some actors, and I asked them, "Where are you folks from?" Yeah, they told me. But I would say, for the next two hours, it came from their questions. They would say, "Okay, now when because I'm playing you from the time you were 18 to 28." Ooh. So I said, "That's quite the that's quite the role." I said, "You're in." Well, this you're, is definitely rated R. Oh well, I don't know. I said, <laughs> oh. <laughs> "That was the embarrassing part of my life." And he said, "But look at the good that come out of it." Here you go, Dan. Well, Phil, and he to said your to me, "He said, well, you know, I been with drugs, you know, and everything." I said, "I understand." So he had a little personal. But as a member of the kingdom of God, with actors playing me in my pre condition before I became You're a still having a spiritual conversation. I basically was talking to the actor saying, yeah. well, here's, what, here's, here's what's happened. That's pretty cool. Well, to I your said, credit, one of the odysseys of life, and which shows you know, a, lot of, a lot of things Jesus said, what you think is successful, it's actually the opposite of what you think. Because really, there's a lot, it takes a lot of courage to admit your weakness yeah. and to confess your sins. I concluded if he was going to play me, well, here's, you know here's, a the, bit about here's you. the old me and here's the new me. Yeah. Because he knew all that. Right. He'd researched it, but he just wanted to hear me say it. Yeah. <clears throat> so I just took my time with him and pointed. I said, so when you get ready to become one of us, the kingdom of God, I said, just get somebody to take you down there <laughs> at the river where we are. And I said, we'll what decide. What say to that? We'll have a little walk to the river. And he just said, <laughs> he said, I'll remember that. I said, <laughs> I said now you've heard the message. Well, you you said, move there's on a it, difference in remembering We'll and welcome doing. you with open arms. I said, this is the post film that you're looking at the pre film. Yeah. I said, I'm telling you what it's like now. now I can't speak this for sure. I want him to understand that no, I understand. all that. See, see what I'm saying? I don't know for sure, but I would be willing to bet, Dad, that you are probably the only person in the history of movies that ever met a person, an actor, playing them in a movie and and shared that with them. That's right. You're probably the only yeah, one that's, that's ever never, done it. Probably never happened before. <laughs> Which, again, is what we're talking about. That's the uniqueness of the whole thing. My take to Dad was, when we first were talking about doing this movie, um, Dad said, oh, I don't know. You know this is, that was a rough patch. So and you I would said, think, well, good night. He's going to play you in a movie. Y'all are big buddies in. That made you buddies. I said, no, that didn't make, that didn't make him anything. Yeah, you're I just said, trying to share Jesus now. I said, I'm just pointing to Jesus, you know, before he, he well, plays me. So I saw so a job. I mean, think him. about it. He, yeah, he, he's he making money. He looked at him and was saying, <clears throat> so all that rough uh, representation of you that I'm going to be playing, he said, this is the new you. I said, this is the new one. Mm -hmm. This is the one been born again. This is the one that went from Which Satan. obviously is the point of the, It's a movie and of redemption. He was like, when yeah. is this coming out? And he said, so all, Later this year, he looked around at Willie's house. He said, so all of this, I said, all of this is one of the things that that rose up out of all that. Yeah. I said, you know, I said, most of my kids, you know, they're pretty big houses. I said, I'm still in the same house, well, I think but I'm, I'm a different I'm man. I'm sensing some, this house. Thing, <laughs> I live in a trailer, so I don't know. Don't Hebrews 3, 4, every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. That's my answer. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This right here is a result. You were saying that as a compliment. So, so Daz, what I told you, because you were saying, I don't know about this, and so I, I put scripture on you. I said, you know, when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he didn't start in Romans 4. 
No. I mean, we would have preferred it because it's a lot better from four, but one, two, and three, tough read. Oh, yeah. But you really don't get the goodness until you understand the badness. That's and so right. I think that's why this movie's being made. I remember, I think we when we were in uh, the seminary school years ago, I remember Bill Smith, when we got to Romans 3, what is it, 21? 21, yep. The transition? Yep. He stopped and went, <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, because me, I just wasn't paying attention half the time. You were like, asleep why, with why your eyes. Why is he doing that? He's like, whew, glad that's over. <laughs> but those and, first three chapters went on for weeks. And you had you know? the most important word you see in the Bible. But. but that's but what, now, but now, righteousness from God is revealed. It, a good example so, would be somebody comes to your house and stays a few days, but all you hear from him is just filth, but unbelieving, <clears throat> wickedness, uh, darkness, and that harmony or a lack thereof. What do you have in common with each other? I mean, what are, what are, what are you doing? Other than well, just pouring them to Jesus, hanging around them on a daily and running with them, you know, whatever ism you're running with, something that has well, nothing to do with Jesus, him crucified and raised from the dead. Well, but that's why we run, when you run with Jesus, which is Paul's point here in 2 Corinthians 10, a different set of standards happens. That's why he started off chapter 10 by saying the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I appeal to you, well, where's he getting that? Because he's running with Jesus. Yeah, and think about it. He he's came coming out of, at it from a Jesus perspective. He's like, don't be shocked that I'm not coming at you with the standards of the world, which is what you're doing. Well, the young lady he was with, the actress, she was playing Miss Kay. Yeah. But but I just saw it in their, their reaction. They'd never heard the gospel, right. ever. They'd never heard that. Probably not. And and well, most people think that's just foolishness. Well, or Or maybe intrigued. You never know. Let's take a break. So uh, one of our new sponsors that I'm really excited about is a group called Dwell, which, you know, it kind of hooked me right off the back. So I was like, Dwell, what are these guys about? It's a Bible app, and it's inspired by the psalmist command that we must hide the word of God in our hearts. Mm -hmm. so right off the bat, I thought, this is our kind of people right here. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that uh, that they've proven and this that makes this app really good is that when you read the word of God, but you're also listening to it as well. It's, it sort of doubles the depth of your understanding. It's a great way to, you know, to listen and to read the Bible. Um, and that's what these guys do. Uh, they, um, they have over a dozen new recordings of the Bible that they've, they've handpicked the voices that will engage you and inspire you. Um, they've got all the best versions, ESV, NIV, KJV. Um, it's a read-along experience. Uh, they got big, bold text. So if you're having trouble seeing like we all are, uh, that's not a problem either. So it's going to help you get into the Word. So we're all about it. That's what this podcast is about. To get started with Dwell, go to dwellapp.io slash unashamed to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off of Dwell for Life. That means 33% and you save 50 bucks. So make sure you visit dwellapp.io slash unashamed and commit to scripture for the rest of this year or the rest of your life, which we highly recommend. Well, I'm saying the, the road they're, is narrow. They're making a movie about it. So, but you know what? Well, but that's a job. That's what, to them, it's a job. They're getting paid. And that's why it's hard. That's why I said that about like our little show that we did, that we just did, and we're doing the promos and all that. 
But the difference in this one and the the first one we did with our whole family is I really felt the crew, it was a smaller crew, they bought in to what we were doing, mm-hmm. which was highly unusual. Mm-hmm. They yeah. were trying to make it, because they're getting paid no matter what, which yeah. is the problem with all this. But yeah. I think when you're trying to make the world a better place and there's no mischief and there's no cursing and there's no bitterness and there's no, we're out there doing something that's fun, which they thought, well, this is fun. You're finding lost things in the ground. Mm-hmm. But we're doing it in a way where we're trying to find spiritual standards that come out of this venture in relationships. And I'm telling you, they bought into it and they were getting paid, but they worked harder because they liked what it was representing, which is awesome. I think most people deep down would want to produce something that had, had, you know, a good, a good, Result to it. I mean, you would think. You would think. But if you're getting paid, you're getting paid. That's true. What I wanted to do, I I wrote this down. So you have, I mean, I think we should get into what is the difference between the standards of the world. Yep. Because now this is wrapped around spiritual warfare. Correct. But it's not like we think because he's like, we don't use the same weapons. So what exactly does this mean so he introduces the spiritual warfare and the standards of the world versus i guess godly standards or spiritual standards right but then he he's going to continue to make references to this because i think immediately you think of the war against good and evil which at the back end of this he's like your deeds are evil you're you're doing things that are wrong which is why we're not gonna come at you like the world and like physically assault you or punish you, we're going to confront you with Jesus and say, come come be a part of representing God. Leave through, that. Through Jesus. It yeah. was pretty cool because one of them said, uh, hey, Phil, he said, I'm playing Big Al. And I said, playing? So you're Big Al in the movie. He said, yeah. I said, well, here's a few things to remember. But not this Al, right? Not, no. Yeah. This was the Big original Al, Big Al, my old buddy that was converted <laughs> well, yeah. twelve years after right. I was converted. Well, the viewers probably didn't make that distinction. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> th- this guy said, "I'm Big Al, playing Big Al." So, so what are a few things about about how that went? So I explained to him, Big Al, an atheist. Yeah, I said he runs up on me. I'm like, "You're out, hit the road." I didn't want to be yoked together with him. Mm-hmm. So hit the road. So you say, so you ran him off. I said, you didn't do it that. I was, non-compassionate. I was pretty blunt. Well, but I mean, I mean, when you stu- you did have a heart to share Jesus with him. Oh yeah, that's what I'm. Well, well I know, but well, you're giving the impression like you're like. I would Get just out tell him. I said I, I'm I'm not the same as y'all. The you ones, actually, I would say I, what I said was I said you're you're looking at me. I said this is the new one. I was looking for the, the meekness one. and gentleness of that <laughs> yeah. statement, but go I ahead. said the I old characterize it. He, I said you know he died, and they said what. I said, he died. And I said, this is the new one. The old one's gone. I said, so you might as well hit the road. I'm not going anywhere with you guys. Yeah. So they all hit the road. Well, that's when 12 years later, the phone rings and Big Al, the one the guys playing in the movie, you know, he calls me up and he's having doubts about atheism because physical death is looming. Is looming on him. He got his, some, his heart was yeah, he had some issues. Yeah. So the way it turned out, Al made it. Obeyed the gospel. I baptized him, and two months later he fell dead. Heart attack. 
heart attack. And he that was guy, that guy was when I was telling him about it. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it. What the movie, the one he's going to portray. I'm giving him a little insight on what happened. <laughs> was and I worked it around where the gospel was preached, and he made it and then fell dead. You were the, giving him a little directional dialogue, well, <laughs> just in case you fall dead. Just a little. <laughs> okay, that might have been ball peen hammer approach. <laughs> It's a little no, more bold. True story. No, I know. I'm just kidding. So, so look, but I would say, Dad, just to f- tie that off, that for listeners, because a lot of people are coming out of these situations where they have been yoked, and they're like, "What do I do?" That's you, what this text is exactly, saying. You ran away. I, I ran you, away. You left. I ran away. So you you I removed hid. yourself. I, I, I literally, I oh, hid. It's, so, a, it's a metanoia it is. moment. Your, your world changed and who you hang around and what you do and yeah. where you go and how you talk. So I say this because I know people are listening that you may be coming out of a drug culture or something else. Look, you have to run away from that crew and get in with some people that are helping you on a spiritual front. You cannot I, stay there. In the real when world. they pulled in up the in my world. yard after about a year post-conversion, uh, you know, it had been about a year since I'd seen any of them. Right. And they're like, what happened to you? Let's, and you had some strength. Yeah, they some said, wisdom. let's go up the road. But I didn't have but a year of Jesus living by the Spirit under my belt. Yeah. Well, I ran them off. That, you know, you're you're out. Hit the road. I'm not going anywhere with you guys. That guy's dead. I said, that guy's dead. So 12 years goes by. Right. And one of them calls, and I move on it. Right. But now, you know, I'm bold as a lion after yeah, 12 after years. 12 years, that's right. So, and they saw for the first time, I said, are you having doubts about atheism since physical death is knocking on your door? He said, I am. He yeah. said, what changed you like that? So I said, well, here's what happened. So I told him my story, and he said, i tell you what, I, I need to do that. Yeah. So I was surprised. I said, well, he taught atheism, biology, you know, he's a biology teacher in high school, but he taught atheism his entire life, except for the last, right there toward the end, he embraced Jesus and made it by the skin of his skin. In the parable that we studied in Matthew, he was the worker that came in the last hour. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. He got the same pay. So for for two months— I was yoked with him because he had obeyed the gospel. He was a brother. Yeah, you're trying to to strengthen. Point, hit the road. Because by the way, so, nobody knew he's going to drop dead in two no, months. No, no. So, but what you're describing is spiritual warfare, and that's what he's describing in this situation. I mean, yep. you see that in all situations. And to make the point, to get back from a scriptural standpoint, so he he brings us up, I believe, in chapter eleven, one through four again, because then he says, "I hope you will put up." With a little of my foolishness, now he's being coy with that, but you are already doing that. Mm. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, which is a, that would be a spiritual Mm -hmm. tool, I guess, that you would think was wrong to be jealous. Well, unless you're had a godly jealousy. Well, and God describes himself a lot, especially in the Old Testament, as being jealous of his people. In other words, yep. he doesn't want to lose you to Satan. That's it's, right. It's, and it's, we know since he has no sin that that's a good jealousy. That's a good jealousy. So then he says, I promised you in verse 2 of chapter 11, 2 Corinthians, I promise you to one husband, to Christ. I love this now. Because now he's like, they're not even acknowledging Christ as the center of their universe. And he's like, 
I'm saying you're married to Christ, which, mm-hmm. which now, when you tie in what he said in chapter 10, 1 through 5, this is from a biblical viewpoint, to what he just said here, well, immediately, where does this take you in your mind? What book? This Ephesians. takes you, yeah, to Ephesians 5, five and 6. six. Yep. Same letter he wrote, a different style, different group of people, but same spiritual warfare. You remember he goes through all the relationships, in Ephesians 5, he gets the husbands and wives, and it's like, yeah, she you, she has her role, you have her. And people have argued about it at nauseum. They miss the whole point. He got out in the end and said, that's great. You know, love your wife and, and submit to your husband, but I'm talking about you being married to Christ. And so then he's like put on the full armor of God in chapter 6, which, by the way, were all spiritual qualities and armor. So then he says, you're right. People have made that text much more about marriage than what it was designed for, which was about our relationship with Christ. That was which is look, now look, I, I know that there's a lot of Jesus loving people who listen to our podcast who are preparing for this upcoming battle in a physical way at the end of time in their mind. But I just, when you read Ephesians five and six and you read second Corinthians 10 and 11 and you look at my shirt that I have on right now, you say, well, wait a minute here. There just seems to be, from the way I'm reading this, a no doubt a point of reference to put on the spiritual side of this and not the physical. Yep. I mean, it takes you back to Acts 1 when the disciples said, well, when are we going to get around to restoring the kingdom of Israel? They were ready to do a war. <clears throat> and people today are still... Waiting on it. And I'm proposing that the you missed it. The war happened. <laughs> and Jesus won. <laughs> and if you're in with him, you have become victorious. He just said, here. You're like, oh, we won? Oh, yeah, we won. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Let's, hang on, Jays. Let's take a break. So then he says, I pro- we'll talk about that later, but he says, I promise you one husband to Christ. Because <clears throat> that's my point. If you're married to Jesus, you want. And can you be married to Jesus today? Yes. You can. can you have the Holy Spirit today, right now? Can you have that? Absolutely. Well, if you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, guess what? You want. You're like, yeah, but I'm going to have to fight another battle. No, it's over. We want it. <laughs> now you can watch them lose or however that goes down i don't know i could care less i just don't want to lose i want to be on the winning team so that i might present you as a pure virgin to him well that's that's where we got into the problem is because <laughs> because if you don't acknowledge christ as the sinner you're not acknowledging that Christ died for your sins. All your sins are gone well and if you still have them and are still participating in the very things he's, he's trying to get to show you that Jesus died for, we have a problem. Yeah, because your intimacy and your faithfulness to Christ are your commitment to Christ. That's his point. So So I can't turn around and give that to the evil one. You know, I've left that. Exactly. So watch where he goes with this. I think this is interesting. Verse 3 says, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray. Because remember, that's what he said, we're taking uh, every thought captive. Because he's like, your minds have been led astray, which is why we don't fight like the world does. This is all happening in your mind from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. They're not being 
not only are they not acting like they're married to Christ, they're not devoted to him, and they're not sincere about him. And they're making his life miserable. They're saying, you're just worthless. And he's like, yeah, I'm worthless, but Jesus inside of me makes me worth something. something. They just missed it. Right. They have so much pride is the problem. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, which would mean you were a loser yeah. based on what we just talked about. You're on the wrong side. Wrong Loser, path. you're losing. Or a different gospel from the one you accepted. Look, you put up with it easily, easily enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think I am in the least inferior to those super apostles. So he put those in quotations. So evidently there was some super apostles running around. Running with, their mouth. With great articulation and, and professional bullcrappers, however you want to <laughs> dumb it down. And that's, he says That's what the Greek word means, as professional yeah. bullcrapper. I may not be a trained speaker. So he's getting back to the first Corinthians two, one through five again. But he, he said, I just want you, I'm just going to preach to Jesus. That's it. Mm-hmm. And what I do is a, is a demonstration of the Spirit's power. What he said, if that's not the kingdom being here on earth, what else is it? Correct. What are we doing? So there's the spiritual warfare. So if I broke it down into two categories, so you have the standards of the world. Now, you can go through chapter 10 through 13, and every time you see the standards they live by, you can compare it to the God's standards. So I'll give you a few. The first one you see from standard of the world is verse 7 of chapter 10. It says, you are looking only on the surface of things. <clears throat> well, that's a common standard of the world. So just think about our world. What is that? In their case, they were just looking at how you look or how you articulate your speech or if you look like you know what you're doing and you sound like you know what you're doing, we're thinking you know what you're doing. <laughs> when you look at Jesus, I think that's why he said the meekness and gentleness of Christ. If you're looking at this from a worldly view, Jesus does not look that powerful. Yeah. I mean, let's face plus, it. What, plus, what was he? He was a carpenter. Yeah. Plus, didn't have any money. Plus, the one that paved the way for Jesus is His one of the cousin, is one of the raggediest looking dudes you ever seen exactly. in your life. <laughs> so, I mean, so think, think about, about it. it. Well, how do we do it today? What are on the surface things? The and look, I'm 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 really sorry, but it the worldly standards has crept into our lives now in this social media technology world. The number one thing, the number one most important part of any trip is what the picture. The picture. They were taking them last night. I saw everybody's gathering up. It's not you. Forget the adventure, and which gets back to the metaverse argument. Yep. And look, even my wife, I love her. She's a warrior for the Lord, and she's a better person. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> but when we go on a trip, we cannot function until we have the picture in hand, <laughs> documented. We have to line up somewhere, and I mean that every function. We took her out for her birthday. We're going to get the, the picture. picture. We got to have the picture. Where are we going to take the picture? We're going. I don't like the light here. Oh, will you take a picture of us? I mean, it, 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 I was like. Do we have to get the picture done before we can celebrate? She went, yes. <laughs> it was an obvious answer. <laughs> so now I have a verse that I'm going to say, babe, you're only looking at the surface things. That's right. But I, I'll tell you right now, it's not going to change if we're getting that picture. 
<laughs> and you're right. It so drives everything that, especially young people these days, on social. And we talked about it before. It's the self pictures. That it is so immersed into what you look like without any depth. And so that's how people now judge relationships. You are character. having an excellent explanation why I'm not. <laughs> I somehow knew you were going to well, go. Phil, here. it goes to the, <laughs> my whole saying, point is it gets to the church. I'm just a lot saying, of churches out there feel like if they look yes. like a certain way and the numbers are a certain way in the contribution is a, is a certain way and they have great orators and people look professional looking and they have a plan that sounds great well all that's great if you don't have jesus at the center of that that that's that's not real because think about the difference when you think about pictures you know we're talking about doing colossians maybe but i think one of the most profound verses in colossians that says jesus is the image of the invisible god there's your picture yeah he is the image of the invisible god well how are you gonna have a group of people on the planet Earth, that have put their faith and trust in Jesus. If you don't know exactly what that looks like, and you say, well, "What does it look like?" Well, it better look like Jesus because He's the image of the invisible God. If you're going to represent the invisible God, well, that's who is the image. So it's got to be the focus. Yeah. That's why he's he's relaying all these he's relating all these arguments around that fact. Which is, and to your point, let's take another break. To your point, Jess, there was a couple of guys yesterday visiting WFR. It was a father and his son. They were from Oregon. So of course, as soon as he tells me they're from Oregon, I said, oh, boy, you know, how's it going up there? And he said, well, you know, it's not always easy. But they're believers. But he was telling me since they, they were just doing a travel across country, but they had, he said, you know, we got in the south, and some, there's some, we have friends here, people we know, and they were talking about how that how many churches there are everywhere and how, you know, people, he said, uh, the way it was described to him was they just kind of, fall into like a social club and you know he said but the guys like me who come from a very unchurched part of our culture mm-hmm. he said i marvel that people will get together see it's still a wonder to him and we were talking about that and i said you know you've brought up something interesting and i think it's to this point Jay, that it's easy sometimes we get super comfortable like that that we get surface as well so you know we're all, we go to church we're going with people you know the language we use is all the idea about then we lose that sort of wonder and awesomeness of who christ is and why he is and so we drift right back up to the surface mm-hmm. it's just the same thought that you're talking about yeah. by not having depth yeah. you know? so what he said in the next verse after he said you're only looking on the surface things he then says if anyone is confident that he belongs to christ he should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as he. Now, you're saying, what's his point? The fact that he's saying we belong to Christ. We don't belong to ourself. Yep. The surface of things is, oh, this is my life. I want to present myself a certain way. I want to be a part of something that's presentable and has all that. No, we belong to Christ. That means we've surrendered at some point along the road. So to give you an illustration of what I think, how this is different from the standards of the world and God's standards in a practical way. And I think it's kind of funny, but so yesterday before the service started and you got to remember this place was packed. They'd had this women's retreat. They were having Sadie, you know, share in that it was kind of the woman's retreat 
Sunday, I guess, or whatever. They'd had the 31 baptism. She was there. They were going to speak or whatever. And we were all just there to participate in it. Well, there was a woman on the front row, and she said, hey, because I, I thought it started at 930. And I got, I mean, I started, I thought it started at nine and it started at 930. So I'm there 30 minutes early, which is okay. And I see this woman on the front row and she says, you look like those duck people. (laughs) And I said, I get that a lot. (laughs) I said, that's what I was going for. What do you think? She's like, I'm telling you, you look just like them. (laughs) I was just kind of kidding. And then I was like, yeah, I'm one of the guys. She's like, which one are you? Which Okay, I'll play the game. I'm Jay. She don't know, and uh, she said, "Well, I, I'm here because Sadie's here." And she gets, she started getting teary eyed. She's like, "I mean, she's changed my life." Well, when she said she's changed my life, well, then I thought, "No, I got to say something about this." <laughs> I was like, "Well, look, since I'm her uncle, let me just tell you, I know you think she changed your life, <laughs> but what changed your life was the spirit of God in her that came as a result." of her love for Jesus because he's the image of the God. That's what you're drawn to. And she's like, you think I was like, Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. I said that that's what the drug, it's not her. Cause we're all just like everybody. As much else. as we love her. She's just a, yeah. you know, she's just a vessel. So anyway, I tell you that to say, but I'm like, cause she said, well, I don't know anybody here. I said, well, you know me now. And, and you know, what's special about Sadie. So, you know, well, welcome. But one of the sisters heard that conversation that I wasn't aware of. So she she found me later. And she's like, you know, we come here and it was great worship. The electricity in that room was amazing. The speaking was good. Everyone, you know, for the most part, looked nice. This is all going great. But she's like, but I thought that was a kingdom moment that conversation she said i'm sorry but i was eavesdropping on that conversation <laughs> and she's like i love what you were saying about that because she she was a fan of sadie which look i'm a fan of sadie yeah but sadie's not going to tell you any different what i told you mm-hmm. it's nothing hot about her she she that's that's what she's doing here my vessel yeah, yeah I, I, i'm i'm it, it, i said you're drawn to god because so, i wanted her to know in the world worldly fame these these movie stars and people that are famous they're like oh you know look at me <laughs> i i'm i was in this movie that made whatever 100, yeah, 100 million dollars yeah and uh and then they they'll, that's give, how you they walk, they'll give you a walk through for the picture the walk through they stop well, yeah. <laughs> and how many people look? They'll say, oh, the you red know, carpet. I've heard people say, carpet. you know, I was in the elevator and Kevin Costner's in there and he actually nodded at me. And I said, and you're telling me that? <laughs> that's you worthy. another human. That's worthy of note. That happened to be on TV that at one time in your life you were in the elevator and he nodded. Yeah. <laughs> and that became a story? I said, don't ever tell anybody that again. <laughs> no, I a didn't story, say it that quite unlovingly, but that was my a point. A story is when we were in Las Vegas one time and we're on the elevator and of all people, dad looks over, there's someone in the corner. I'm not, just not even paying attention. And dad said, Al, look, that's so, that's so Ted Bundy. 
And I looked over, you know, a mass killer, you know, I look yeah. over and it's Mark Harmon who played Ted Bundy in a movie like 10 years earlier. And he looks up at us, you know, because dad recognized, he said, that's him, made it? And he wasn't addressed at him. He was telling me. And I was like, looks like him. And he just kind of grinned at us and nodded. And then we started having a conversation. But it was so funny because dad said, that's old Bundy. Here he is right there. Well, I actually tell- That's a story. Well, well I actually- We're the duck hunters. He said, yeah, my dad duck hunts. He, that's what he, he said. y'all. So. Yeah. His dad played football at UCLA. But I yeah. tell that story because we, when I went to LSU Texas game the year we won the national championship a couple of years ago. Thanks well, for bringing I that. Mean, up. What, what are the we odds? We should bring that up every few podcasts. Yeah, we're going. I'm going to my suite. I think I told this story before. But look, the crowd was so big that I got I was separated from my wife. That's <laughs> I mean we should have held hands like we were you know in junior high. <clears throat> I get on the elevator. And I look around, I'm like, that's uh, – well, now I can't even remember his name. Uh, was it McConaughey? Yeah, McConaughey. Oh, yeah. Ma- is it Matthew? Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. So I get off the elevator, and Mrs. was like, were you on the elevator with Matthew McConaughey? I was like, yeah. She's like, did y'all talk? And I went, nope, he just nodded at me. <laughs> <laughs> so he just, I looked over, and I thought, that guy looks familiar. Oh, I know who that is. And It's just surprising. He, he just gave a nod. And I nodded. Yeah. That was it. Now, I don't know. She's like, well, do you think that he knew you? And I was like, baby, it was a nod. (laughs) (laughs) It could have just been friendly. It could have been, you know. But to my point, going down a rabbit hole of trying to interpret the nod, (laughs) does that mean he knew? (laughs) And I'm like, babe, we're at a higher standard of that. She's like, oh, I know. Well, I was just curious. I mean, did, I wanted to know. All that you needed to know in that moment is he was a Texas fan and you were an LSU fan. That was and, it. and we won the game. Now, so. I will admit, at the end of the game, I did have this thought. I thought, I wonder what Matthew McConaughey's thinking right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Oh, no, no, no. Because then, And then it quickly turned to I got to get out of here alive. <laughs> That's right. Because there was about 40 fans, and me and you were two of the 40. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, it, was, uh, it was definitely there. Let's take a break. Yeah, they were not happy. It was a grumble, you know. Oh, yeah. So... I'm not sure. I'm not sure where we're at. Well, I wanted to share. I don't know where we were either. But you brought up a word that I wanted to highlight because you mentioned the word "belong." You know that we belong. Yeah. And so it made me think about that when I preached First Corinthians 15. He's Paul said he's talking about the resurrection of the day. He said each will rise in his own turn. Christ the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. And I, I love that concept that we, as part of the resurrection, we are, I call it the community of the eternal, because we we get it. Holy yeah. Spirit lives in us. It's a deposit guaranteeing that eternal life. So it's just this little taste. Well, you're right. The years are different, but when he, the people that were trying to hone in and outdo the Apostle Paul, and he knew why he had been called. Such men are, in 1 Corinthians eleven thirteen. such men that they, they're intrigued with are false prophets, are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. I don't know if that's still going on. And no wonder, 
For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Exactly. I it is not down. surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, therein will be what their actions deserve. Yes. I mean, there were some... Uh, Spiritual what warfare. What would you call them? That's what spiritual you, warfare. That, that inside the kingdom, team. we got some people here. Well, of course he would. Because oh, yeah. in any war, you got spies, you got, you know, propagandists, you got everything. Well, that's why he said he went back to Eve. What happened to Adam and Eve in the garden of the serpent's cunning? And then look, just a few, one paragraph later, he then says the same thing's going on now in the church. Yeah. Which I think is, it, it, when you think spiritual warfare, there is something that everyone, whether you're a believer or not, acknowledges good and evil working. And it all goes back to those questions in the garden when, and which was Sadie's point yesterday, the evil one was given empty promises that sounded right. There was some truth in it. Yep. When he said, oh, well, no, you're not going to die. He knows that once you eat of this, you know, you'll, you'll know good and evil. You'll be like him. Well, who doesn't want to be a god? I mean, you'll be like God. How many verses are there where we are supposed to try to be like God? Right. He was taking the same concept. That's right. But his promise was was empty because you did die. They did die, but they didn't think they did. Right. I mean, they were separated. But they're like, what happened to all this death stuff? What is this death? So it was, you know, death just means separation. So they were separated from God, which what happens when that happens? Bad things. Yep. And then one day they were no longer allowed to eat of the tree of life and they physically died which is now why we need Jesus. Right. It, it ushered in both concepts in the garden. What's interesting is you, you talk about that. So Adam and Eve were a part of that, you know, first generation of humanity. They lived a long time on the earth, you know, cause you read about all the years of those generations. Mm -hmm. But so, so death probably didn't seem as real to them. I mean, you're talking about some of the people were living eight, 900 years. Oh, well, I think they probably thought nobody ever talks about that. They thought, what is this death you speak? Exactly. I don't know they had never seen anybody die except, except when Cain got murdered. Oh, you mean, I mean, uh, Abel got murdered by Cain. Why would I stop working? You wouldn't think something. If you never, if you weren't familiar with batteries, you would never think your radio would ever go down if you didn't know anything about batteries. Right. It just and, and it you're plays you music. just wake up one day and you're listening to a radio. Well, why would you think that the music was going to stop? <laughs> That's yeah. right. That's right. And 5,000 years after that event with Adam and Eve, at least 5,000 by my count, five, 6,000 years later, after the promise was told to Satan, you know, you, I'm, I'm, somebody's going to crush your head, the seed of a woman. Jesus appears a long time after that, and then the wages of death begin become very visible. Yeah, yeah. Just a yeah. slaughterhouse for for six thousand years. I mean, just read through the Old Testament; it's a slaughterhouse. But you think about it when you're a kid. The reason Talk you rebel, the reason you rebel when you get to twelve or thirteen. This is I'm kind of being coy here, but follow me here. Is because when you're a kid, I remember the first time that I realized you can't do a swan dive off the top bunk. Because uh, before I did that, I thought, why not? <laughs> well, there was no concept of don't do this. This may kill me. Well, right. Oh, there's a light socket there. Watch it. I stuck something. Whoa, whoa. You can't do this? So there comes a time in your life where you're so frustrated 
the, all the things you can't do and things breaking and you know every little toy I got that you know Kay would get from Dollar General, I was just shocked <laughs> that they would break so quickly. That's usually right. within one day. I think that's why it's since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so they may destroy those who all their lives were held in fear, were held because of the fear of death. Fear of death. Yep. It takes you a while to develop, oh, wait, because you think as a kid, because you're innocent, which I, I don't think that's by accident, right? but you have no concept of... Of death at that point. You feel you know? there's an invincibility, really, and in a, in a, in no fear of danger. You're right. That's Eternal why destruction, toughen. Oh, yeah. That's why when you flip the thing and you talk about God comparing it to being born again, you have that. Once you have the Holy Spirit of God, he's bringing you back to that state in a real way. Yep. Now you're an adult, and you're like, oh, I am indestructible. Yep. I am. That's why he takes it back to that right. situation. Which I It's think a great thought, the idea of of the return of innocence. Cause we always say, you know, you can never get it back. You know, you can, you know, once you've lost your innocence, you never get it back, but that's really not true. That's right. Because if you really believe that God did what he said he did, you would understand that an innocence does come back to us. We are innocent because of Christ's sacrifice. That's it. And that's what we are when we appeal to the cross. I never thought about that. The return of innocence. That could Without be I'm blemish as Colossians. I literally have it, have it in my notes, but now, look, I had like 12 things, and we did one. So y'all were worried about well, good. not we, having enough time. We got two podcasts to do <laughs> tomorrow. So. Don't be a surface Christian. That's yeah. number one. I mean, yeah. look, but the bottom line was they were denying the power of Jesus and thus the power of the Holy Spirit to be the focus of their gatherings. And lo and behold, they had corruption going on in their life and a steady diet of it. And now he's saying, "Look, we got you. Got to think about this differently on how you're, how you're approaching this war, this spiritual battle." So, in, in our last few seconds here, give us the second one, and then we'll talk a little more about it in the uh, unashamed segment. What's well, the I alluded to it. We the don't look at the surfaces of, of things. Don't commend yourself. It's verse twelve. But that's, that's why I told you the story about saying, "Oh, I came here because you know Sadie changed my life." No, you're commending her, but she's not commending herself. Okay, you see? so that's number two. Yeah. The idea about that, and which, by the way, was a huge problem. As you mentioned earlier in that verse, remember in 10, 12, when, when, I mean, when he says, like you just said, only compare myself to myself, then I have no standard. <laughs> that, it's almost like a Seinfeld. It is. I mean, it's, it's almost funny. a comical. Yeah. I'm, let me compare. Let me sit around and think about <laughs> myself, myself to myself. To myself. I think I'm better. <laughs> yeah, I'm better. I'm better than you. Why? Because I compare myself to myself. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll flesh that a little more in the in the uh, unashamed overtime and people that do that in our culture because it's very rampant. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.